welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. over to Rex, and if you do not have your week two packet, um, if you forgot it or you weren't here last week and didn't get one, will you go ahead and shoot your hand up for me, and I will come bring you a packet. she said. So please raise your hand because you're going to need it. So I felt very good about just copying everything from in there. Um, So week two, we're going to talk about new life, new birth. Um, Yeah, Uh, we're going to start. We've got a video intro. So they're going to play Play that. First, we're going to pray. If you'll bow your heads and join me in prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for another opportunity to come before you, Lord. I ask that you would bless this lesson, bless uh, the conversations that we're having, uh, that it would land on good soil, Lord, and that we'd all be better, more mature Christians for it. In Jesus' name, amen. in church and raised in church. My mom always took me and made sure that I was in the house of God. But as I grew older and I began to have a choice of if I was to go or not, I choose to not go anymore. I wasn't interested. I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. And when I got out into the world, I started getting unhappy. I got very depressed and I got in a whole lot of trouble. It just became a slippery slippery slope. I continuously just began to go the opposite direction of chasing after Christ. And it got to the point that I was hooked on drugs and selling drugs. Um, I just really wasn't happy with my life. There was just a lot of things that happened. I went through, my parents went through a divorce, had a lot of personal issues, insecurities, wasn't happy with myself. And... There came a point, though, that God got my attention, and I made a commitment to Christ at that point that if he would take me out of the situation that I was in, I would stop selling drugs, and I would stop doing cocaine. And so at that point, 
when I would go back and I would party and I would do the things that I used to do, I started feeling convicted. And I didn't want to keep feeling convicted. I actually, even though I felt convicted, I started running from it even more so. And it got to the point that I just got tired of feeling convicted and I thought, well, I will just try going to church. I didn't plan on preaching. I didn't plan on being fully committed. I just planned on going to church and showing up late and just to say that I actually went. Well, the more that I actually went to church, the more I was around the people of God, the more it exposed me to the life that I could have. And it drew me to keep pursuing after Christ in a way that I currently wasn't. And it came a point where I remembered a song that I heard when I was in children's church when I was younger, and it said, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. I didn't know a bunch of Bible scriptures. I didn't have a lot of discipleship, but that song was in my mind, and I thought I might as well try it. And so I began to read the Bible, and I began to pray every day, and as a result of that, I grew, and I grew, and I grew. It wasn't something that took place overnight. It was a journey because discipleship is a journey. It's God taking you from one place to the next. You will have times you don't feel like you have it all together, but hold on and just stay with the Lord through the journey. In the book of John, there was a man named Thomas, and he said that I won't believe unless I touch the wounds of Jesus. You see, there are some people that you will encounter in your life that won't actually believe in Christ until they see the wounds of where God has actually brought you from. The Apostle Paul says, I become all things to all men that I might save some. And so would you believe that God can actually take the problems of your past, the defeats of your yesterday, and use those very same things to reach others and make an impact in their lives? In fact, the things that maybe nobody knows about you, your story, it matters, and God wants to use that. You see, God doesn't waste anything, and God is a steward of your pain, and he will take that pain and use it for his glory. We've just heard about God's power to take the pains of our past and to use them for a purpose. That happens when we find a new life in Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to take some time to look to God's Word to see what it has to say about this foundational element of our spiritual lives. We'll explore how when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, he, he doesn't just patch up a crack here or patch up a crack there, but He makes us completely new through repentance, through baptism in Jesus' name, and through the infilling of His Spirit. Once we experience this new birth, we can embrace the blessing that comes from a Spirit-led life and live out our identity as a child of God. It's time now to look to God's Word and discuss this together. Feel free today to ask questions throughout this time of discussion, and after this session is over, I encourage you to go home and take some time to pray and to review the Bible passages that are listed in your participant's guide. God bless you today as you discover your new life through Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a great testimony. Um, last week, we talked about Welcome to the Family. Uh, pastor went over some church history, uh, like the whole church, and then he went over some church history, like Truth Tab history. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I could listen to Pastor tell some old stories forever. Um, 
I also just really like it when people have pictures and they know the stories behind the pictures. So anytime you want to get my attention, that's how. Um, but I just want to take a real quick moment to share my Truth Tabernacle story, okay? So in 1998, December, we moved up here from North Carolina, uh, and it snowed a lot. So that was so cool because we got like an extra like week off of school that year. Um, but I remember we kind of visited a few churches, and we came to Truth Tabernacle, and we kind of sat in the middle over there, and it was church. We'd gone to church in North Carolina, gone to church in Germany. Um, it felt familiar, but then we went to Sunday school, and I remember brother and sister Warner were my Sunday school teachers, and they handed me this punch card. And the punch card would go to the general store. And they were like, you're new, so we're going to give you some extra punches. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but it sounds great. So then we went to the general store. And I believe it was Sister Brenda Sanderson. It might not have been. Um, but she was in there, and she was like, oh, you got a lot of punches. You can get anything on this wall, anything on this wall. And I was like, I can have that for free. And she was like, yeah, that's what the punches are for. And I was like, I love this place. I remember spending a few punches and saving some. And I was like, Mom, we got to go back. I didn't spend all my punches. We have to come back. And I'm not sure if that's why we go here, but <laughs> I would like to take credit for that. Okay? <laughs> So my general store punch card brought us to Truth Tabernacle, okay? <laughs> Just wanted you all to know that. Uh, so this week we're talking about the new life and the new birth. Anybody happy about the new birth? Anybody glad you experienced the new birth? Uh, so before I get started, we will be doing some turn and talk stuff. So that means the people around you, if you want to, like, look at them, look at your neighbor, the person across behind you, it'd be real cool if during the turn and talk time, you turned and talked to them, okay? <laughs> it's only going to be, like, two, four minutes at a time, okay? Just like, hey, what's this answer, blah, 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 and then we go, okay? But I just wanted to put that out there. If you needed to, like, introduce yourself, uh, give a little head nod, what's up, you know? That's what we're doing. You don't have to. I'm not going to force you to work together, but it'd be really cool if you did. So the homework, uh, Romans 8, 1 and 2, and then 14, 17. Uh, I'm going to read that, and then we'll go over some of those questions before we dig into today's. So Romans 8, 1 and 2, and I believe it's in the KJV up there, uh, says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And then 14 to 17, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage against, again to fear, sorry, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 
And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So, turn and talk time. It's our first one, pretty easy, right off the bat. What are some words that stick out to you in those two little portions of Scripture? So you can talk to your neighbor, talk to the people behind you. What are some words that stick out? only been one minute, but I feel like we're slowing down. So finish up that last little bit. So, does anybody have some words they want to throw out? Um, you don't have to raise your hand or anything. What are some words that stuck out to us? I'm going to write some down because we're going to need this later. So, what were some words that stuck out? Some passages, some things, thoughts. No condemnation. For them that are in Christ Jesus. Adoption, no fear, somebody said something over here, led by, adoption, no fear, Let glorified together, heirs, joint heirs, all right good passage, right? So how would we sum up the meaning of that? We will talk about that later when we get, this is going to pop up when we get to section three, okay? So I'm not skipping the question, just skipping it for now, all right? So we've done intro video. The next page, if you want to look at that, what are does anybody in here consider themselves a person who likes change? Now this, we can just raise our hand. We don't have to talk about that. Does anybody like change? Does anybody not like change? Yeah? Okay. I thought I was like a person who was good at change, and then things started changing on me. And I was like, I do not like this. This is very uncomfortable. Um, 
All right, so if you go to the page that says Surrendering for Radical Change, it is after all the intro stuff. There is a paragraph at the top, Surrendering for Radical Change. It's the first part of the lesson. There's four parts. First is Surrendering for Radical Change. So this is set up, and it tells about, it's kind of like the four stages of new birth. Accepting Jesus and giving over your life, that sort of thing. So the first step is you surrender for radical change. So at the top it says, building a new life that follows in the footsteps of Jesus is not about adding a new philosophy to our collection of philosophies. It's not about changing our belief system up a smidge. We're not making room for this Jesus thing. Um... It's not like a cooking recipe, okay? It's not like a pinch here, pinch there, all right? Our new life with Jesus is an all or nothing kind of lifestyle. The Bible study calls it, and this is one of your blanks, is a radical reorientation, surrendering self, and making Jesus the center, the essence of our lives, So if you want to fill in the blanks, it's radical reorientation, surrendering self. So like I said, it's an all or nothing kind of thing. We're not just adding Jesus onto our previous beliefs or the part of Jesus we like the most gets added to the part of whoever else we like the most. It's an all or nothing kind of thing. Uh, It's the essence of our lives, uh, and the essence means It is the most significant element, quality, or aspect of a thing or person. So it's the most significant element of our life. So then we get to Ephesians 17, 24. And it says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that ye put off concerning the former conversations the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Verse 23 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So question number one. We are called to put on what? The new man. The new man is created in righteousness and true holiness. The new man is the opposite of the old man. In verse 22, they talk about the old man. Uh, And the old man is, he is filled with deceitful lust. So he operates based on his deceitful lust. The new man operates based on righteousness and holiness. And it's like a coat we're supposed to take off the old coat, and we're putting on this new one, okay? Question number two, in verse 17, Paul called the, uh, the new believers to no longer do what? 
Yes, they're not supposed to walk as other Gentiles because the other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. So the vanity of the mind is the idea that our own thoughts, our own ideas are above everyone else's, even God. We have everything figured out. We're wiser than everybody else. We can make it all by ourselves. We don't need help. We just make it to whatever afterlife we feel like it. The Bible is full of reminders that we are not supposed to rely on our own minds or our own understanding. Isaiah 5.21 says, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Proverbs 3.7 says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Okay, so our own thoughts, the vanity of our mind will get us in trouble. Okay, in fact, as we move on to question three, walking in our vanity alienates us from, and this is, it alienates us from the life of God. So if you look at verse 18, verse 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. So the vanity of our mind alienates us from God, which means it separates us from God. When we're putting on that new man, we're getting rid of the old man and living this new life with Jesus, we don't look to our own mind for wisdom. We don't look to ourselves for understanding. We look to God and we look to his scriptures where he talks to us and shows us what is wise and what is actual wisdom. Question four, why do we sometimes resist the idea of living God's, living life God's way? So sometimes we resist because we have this vanity of the mind. We rely on ourselves. We think we know better than everybody else. Um, verse, say it again. We don't like change. Sometimes we, we're stuck with that old man because... We've gotten comfortable with it. We don't want to change. This is what we're used to, so we don't feel like we need to. Uh, verse 18 says, sometimes we're ignorant to what we need to do, okay, and that there's blindness in our heart. Uh, there's also this idea of instant gratification versus delayed gratification. Uh, sometimes sinful stuff feels real good right now. And sometimes living for God, you're going to have to wait a while before you get that ultimate reward. And sometimes people will sell out for that feel good right now. And then other times convenience is something that will uh, make us resist living a life for God. Uh, convenience, it's easier to just do what everyone else is doing. It's easier to go with the flow and that sort of thing. So the next question, what, and this is a turn and talk, so what are some small steps we can take to make sure that we're embracing new life in Jesus so that we're not clinging to this old man, uh, we're throwing that off and putting on the new man? What are some steps we could take, some practical real life steps? Take a minute or two, talk to the people around you, and then we'll share out.
We're about at that two-minute mark. Does anybody have any small steps that you think we can take to help embrace new life in Jesus? What are some small steps? And these could be things that you actually did in your life. Okay, We all have had our come-to-Jesus moments. What are some small steps that we could give to other people? Anybody want to blur any small steps out? Sister May. Put off former conversations. Yeah. There's a good one. Any other small steps? Devotionals. Daily devotionals, Bible readings. Yes. Say it again. Fellowshipping with the saints more. That's a small step we could take. Maybe separating from an old crowd. Yeah. Perfect. Any other? Reading the word. Thank you, Brother Tommy. Sister Carmen said pray. Excellent. Those are very good small steps. Daily prayer life. Fasting. Fasting is a small step we could take. That's a big step, yeah. Pastor, you got any? Pastor, do you have any small steps you think the church should promote? Consistency. There we go. Being consistent. <laughs> That's why it's a pastor. Excellent. So, great list. Going once. Going twice. All right. So, first step in the new life, new birth, is surrendering for radical change. So we're not holding on to the old things. We're surrendering. We're letting them go. We're moving on to step two, which is undergoing a new birth. When we give our lives to Jesus, this is that top paragraph for the fill in the blanks. He doesn't just patch up a crack here or there. He makes us completely new. In this process of being born again, that's your first blank. Born again, Scripture promises the provision to repent of our sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the Holy Ghost. Okay? The new birth. So those blanks got born again, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the Holy Ghost. Sounds like a real good plan of salvation to me. Amen. All right. So John 3 is the next passage. Uh, John 3, 1 through 5. That's the story of Nicodemus. So it goes, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. In verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus 
saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? In verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. When Nicodemus, question one, when Nicodemus recognized there was something special about Jesus, what revelation did Jesus tell Nicodemus? Should be born again. This Pharisee sees Jesus preaching, teaching, performing miracles, the usual Jesus stuff. And Nicodemus decides that he has to know more. So he meets up with Jesus, but he can't just approach him normally in the street like everyone else would uh, because he's a Pharisee. So he meets up with him under the cover of night, um, and he tells him, he's like, hey, I know who you are. Um, And actually he says, we know, which is very interesting. Um, I know that you must be, he says, I know that you must be from God because the stuff you're doing can't happen without God. So then Jesus gives him this revelation of the new birth. Tells him, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, so he's coming to Jesus, telling him these things, and Jesus is like, you could be a part of this with the new birth. Question number two, what was so confusing to Nicodemus? This was a very weird exchange also. Like, I would like to see Nicodemus's face. Is he being serious, sincere? Is he messing around? It's a very weird question to ask. So Nicodemus is confused because either he's taking it too literally or as uh, Craig Keener says, it could be that he was so high and mighty, had so much vanity of his own mind uh, that he didn't consider that a Pharisee like himself would have to be converted to this new religion because he's a Pharisee. He's the best of the best, the top So, what was so confusing? Uh, This new birth thing. Would he have to be reborn literally? Is this some other? Is it a metaphor? Uh, He got real confused about that. Then we move to question five. How did Jesus clarify the meaning of being born again? And he does that in verse five. When he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So in order to be born again, which is the way to enter the kingdom of God, to be accepted into heaven, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. And we know, because we have the rest of the Bible, that being born of the water is water baptism. Okay? You get in the tub, they dunk you, you're completely immersed in water in Jesus' name. Amen? That's the way we baptize here. That's the way they baptize in the book of Acts. Okay? And the second step is born of the Spirit, which would be spirit baptism, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Okay? Evidenced by speaking in other tongues. Amen. So why do you think Jesus used the analogy of being born again, a new birth, as a way to explain salvation? And this is a turn and talk. So take a couple minutes. Why would Jesus use this metaphor, this analogy of being born again? What 
Why did he use that to teach about new birth? Or new life? Why is new birth the way to teach about new life? Is that a good question? I don't know. Sister Moody? I've already heard some good answers. Anybody have why new birth? Why did Jesus describe it that way? Being born again. To make it simple to understand. Just change your mind. <laughs> Sister Moody had a pretty good answer. What was that again? She don't remember. She said... Um, going to a new kingdom. So when you're going to from one kingdom to the other kingdom, you have to be born to this new kingdom. Okay? And then Pastor had some really good Bible college words that he has. You want to tell that? Tell me again. The, the translation for born again means the word again. So it means born from above. Okay? So in order to be into the kingdom of God, you have to be born from above. So it's not baptismal. It's a spiritual birth. Okay? So the new birth experience is the way by which we put away our old life and we put on a new one. We repent of our sins. We get baptized, fully immersed in water in Jesus' name. And we bury our old life. Okay? Just as Jesus was buried, we also have to be buried. And then we come out, uh, we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking other tongues, as the Spirit gave the utterance, Acts tells us. So, moving on, the third part is embracing our heritage as children of God. After we've surrendered for the change in our life, that's the first part, we've experienced the new birth. Section 3 is all about embracing our heritage as children of God. That top paragraph, once we experience the new birth, we can embrace the blessings that come from a spirit-led life. So that first blank, spirit-led life. We are made heirs of God, and we live out our royal identity as children of God. 
which gets me pretty excited. So Romans 8, 1 and 2, and then 14, 17, we have already read, so I will not read it again. But we're talking about embracing our heritage as children of God. Question number one, when we walk in the Spirit, what is no longer a part of our lives? And it is condemnation. There's no longer a guilty verdict hanging over our lives because of the sins of our past, the sins from the fall. Verse 2 lets us know that the law of the spirit of life has even freed us from the cycle of the law of sin and death. So condemnation is no longer hanging over us anymore. Verse 1 tells us that um, if we walk after the spirit, of course. Uh, Question number two, who are the sons or the children of God? And we go over to verse 14. It says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons slash children of God. So whoever is led by the spirit of God. Why does that happen? Verse 15 says, we have received that spirit of adoption. We've been adopted by God because we have the spirit in us. And verse 16 lets us know, not only are we adopted, but we're full-fledged children of God. Okay? All the benefits, all the perks are to us now. Verse, or question three If we are children of God, we are also what? Yes, since we are the children of God, we belong to him now. We are now also the heirs of God and the joint heirs of Christ. Okay, so all the privileges, all the things that we're set to inherit, we we are also set to inherit because we are the heirs of God. Just like the natural born children we also get those benefits. Question four, what do you think it means to suffer with Jesus? Being an heir and a joint heir means we get the father-child relationship with God, and God is the all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful being. Plus, we get all of those inheritance that comes with it, And one of those inheritance is the suffering of Jesus. If we keep reading through verse 18, it tells us, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So, although we have to suffer for a little while down here on earth, it'll all be worth it someday when we're walking around in heaven. The glory will be so great that it will dwarf the suffering we experience here on earth. Okay, so let's move on to the fourth. You can skip this picture. The fourth step. So after you have changed your life, done a complete 180, uh, after you have experienced new birth, And after you have embraced your heritage, recognize that you are a child of God now, um, you are in this fourth step, following the call to discipleship. Undergoing our spiritual new birth, this is that top paragraph with the blanks, 
And embracing our identity as children of God is not the completion of our process of becoming a Christian. Okay? Our new life in Jesus Christ is instead an ongoing journey. That's the first blank. An ongoing journey of continual spiritual transformation. He calls us to be disciples who follow him all of our lives. Amen. John 15, 1, 11. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Verse 6 says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 7, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So, verse 1. In this passage, what does Jesus compare us to and what does he compare himself to? Jesus compares himself to the vine. Verse 5, he tells us that we are the branches. Verse 1 starts with what I believe is the last major I am statement in the book of John. The vine is a reference to grapevines. The vine is the part that brings all the nutrients to the plant, which is why verse 4 lets us know that the branch cannot bear fruit itself. Without the vine bringing nutrients, we can't get fruit on those branches. So without Jesus in our lives... We have no way of getting spiritual nutrients and therefore wouldn't be able to produce those spiritual fruits. Okay? Question two. What does Jesus say will indicate that we are his disciples? Bear fruit. Bearing fruit of the Spirit is another sign that we are the disciples of Jesus. If you read it in the ESV, it says, By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And we know the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. That is in Galatians 5, 22-23. number three, Jesus invites us to abide in him. How are we to do so? So how do we abide in Jesus? How do we stay connected to Jesus? Yes, we keep his commandments. That's 
what the verse says. You keep his commandments and you will abide in him. Verse 4, what will we receive by following these directions from Jesus? We will receive the joy of God and our joy will be full. So my question to you, this is another turn and talk. We're going to go like a minute. How do you see these benefits playing out in our lives today? So you get the joy, full joy from God. How does that help you? How does growing the fruits of the Spirit help you in your life today? So talk to those people around. So who can shoot out a few ways that those benefits are playing out in our lives today? Being connected to the vine, producing the fruit of the Spirit, being full of the joy of God. Somebody shoot me out something. Passion. Compassion. Compassion, that's a good thing to have. Say it again. You gain some patience, yes, for sure. Loving thy neighbor as thyself is a very important thing to do. So these benefits play out. They will make us more mature people, more mature Christians. Uh, we will have greater joy in a world that needs more joy. Uh, and then in verse 7 says, if ye abide, uh, then he says, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So one of the benefits that play out is that you can ask God, and if you are abiding, he will do it for you. Amen. So, why do you think God does not leave us the way he finds us? The state in which God finds us in is not usually a good one. Okay, we're all sinful by nature ever since the fall. Uh, Adam and Eve, we've been separated from God, and we have to rebuild that relationship. We have to get rid of that divide between us. Uh, Romans seven eighteen says, For I know that in me, as in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing for two to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Okay? So we have to rebuild our relationship with God because we are separated by that sin, uh, whether we want to be or not. In order to regain that relationship, um, 
We have to be changed into the new creations that Paul describes in his letters. We have to become those new creatures. We have to experience this new birth process uh, to become new. So uh, as we're leaving, as the last question is, is there something uh, in your life that changed after surrendering to God's plan for your life? And we are at the end, so I don't want to, like, force you to talk to anybody. But what are some things that, if anybody's comfortable sharing, that changed in your life when you surrendered to God's plan? Four packs a day of smoking. filter kings <laughs> yeah yeah I laid them cigarettes on the on the uh, altar and I said Lord if you'll take this away I'll never smoke another cigarette I walked out of there like I never smoked a cigarette in my life I mean it, it, that's what God can do Amen. so that's one anybody have anything else they feel they don't feel ashamed, worried to share. Brother Lawrence. All right. No more beer and booze. Okay. Changed his life. He gave up the beer and the booze. Anybody else? A change in your mindset. That's good. Change in mindset. Anybody else want a chance to share? Save it for New Year's testimony service all right all right I got gotcha. you all right so what is one thing we can do this week that we can do to surrender our life to God what's one thing we could do this week anybody just blurt out real quick a couple things you could do to help surrender your life to God so pray get a consistent prayer going I know when brother Azzalini came the first last year I was like, all right, I got to start waking up early. Got to read my Bible more. So I've been trying to wake up at 6 a.m., which might not be early for you guys, but that's really early for me. Okay, 6 a.m. And sometimes I'm really good at it, but I'll be trying. Anybody else, what are some real easy things we could do this week to be surrendered to God? Read your Bible, Brother Bernie. Take him. All right, if you feel like you need to do it, take immediate action. Don't put it off. All right, uh, if you'll stand with me, we'll pray this thing out. Appreciate you. Um, Sister Amanda and Brother Milam are in the back. They've got next week's homework. And we'll go from there. Thank you, Jesus, for another opportunity to be in your house, Lord, with like-minded people, Lord, studying your word, studying you, trying to draw closer to you. I ask that you would... Continue to be with us, continue to strengthen, lead us, and guide us. Help us to be surrendered to you. Help us to live for you. Help us to continue to radically change our lives and to put on this new man, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done. Continue to keep your hedge of protection around us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.